listening to the Coaching Academic Podcast, the podcast for coaches, leaders and academics who are interested in translating research into practice. Each episode, I discuss a brand new piece of cutting-edge research and translate the findings with suggestions of how you can incorporate the research into your practice. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca J. Jones. Now, on with today's show. In today's episode of the Coaching Academic Podcast, I'm going to be talking about a research paper called How Can Mindfulness Be Promoted? Workload and Recovery Experiences as Antecedents of Daily Fluctuations in Mindfulness, which was written by Uta R. Holzheger, Alcia Walkowak, and Marie S. Toms, and was published in the Journal of Occupational and Organisational Psychology in 2018. I'll put a link to the paper in the show notes. So the concept of mindfulness, uh, generally defined as a state of consciousness in which individuals pay attention to present moment experiences, has received a great deal of attention in the literature recently, with studies generally focusing on outcomes of mindfulness in the context of work. However, apart from the fact that mindfulness can be enhanced through mindfulness interventions, little is known about the factors that facilitate the experience of mindfulness. For example, the authors argue that little is known about how mindfulness naturally develops and what psychological and social conditions support and hinder the development of mindfulness. This study aims to shed light on the work-related and individual characteristics that may promote the experience of mindfulness. Learning more about the influence of individual and work characteristics on the experience of mindfulness has the potential to unravel alternative or supplemental ways to bolster mindfulness in employees. The authors propose that high workload hinders mindfulness by threatening energetic resources, whilst recovery experiences, such as psychological detachment from work and sleep quality, promote subsequent mindfulness by helping to replenish resources. To explore this, the authors surveyed 168 participants who worked in a range of occupations, such as consultants, teachers, doctors and engineers in Germany. 30% of the sample were female and the average age was 34. Participants were asked to complete surveys three times a day for five days during a work week. Sleep quality was assessed with a questionnaire during work, i.e. during the first work break. Workload, mindfulness and fatigue were assessed after finishing work and psychological detachment was measured before going to bed. Sleep quality was measured with a single item, which was how do you evaluate this night's sleep? Quantitative workload was measured using an 11 item scale and items assessed the extent to which participants had too much work to do, had to work very fast or to work under time pressure. Mindfulness was measured using a five item scale and sample items include I find it difficult to stay focused on what's happening in the present and I find myself doing things without paying attention. Finally, fatigue was measured using four items where participants indicated the degree to which they felt fatigued, tired, exhausted and spent. So the author's results confirmed that workload was negatively while sleep quality was positively related to mindfulness. 
This meant that when workload was low, daily mindfulness was higher, and when sleep quality was good, daily mindfulness was also higher. Psychological detachment was indirectly related to next day mindfulness through sleep quality. This suggests that not being able to detach from work-related thoughts during non-work time leads to a mental continuation of work demands and therefore hinders a good night's sleep. Poor sleep quality, in turn, hinders the experience of mindfulness the next day. The authors also found that successful recovery from the previous work period drives subsequent levels of mindfulness, which in turn facilitates subsequent recovery experiences in terms of psychological detachment and sleep quality. Similarly, workload hampers the experience of mindfulness as well as subsequent recovery experiences. High workload may therefore drain energetic resources, but also block the successful replenishment of these resources through, for example, mindfulness and successful recovery, such as psychological detachment and sleep quality after work. The authors suggest that their findings indicate that organisations wishing to promote mindfulness may not only offer mindfulness-based training programmes, but may also consider bolstering these initiatives by creating work environments that facilitate the experience of mindfulness, specifically keeping workload to a manageable degree. Organisations should be aware that mindfulness is not purely a function of the individual, but also a function of the work situation. Employees may also be given the discretion to take short breaks when they feel that the demands of work are overwhelming in order to replenish their resources. Mindfulness is often integrated as part of coaching practice or as an intervention suggested by coaches to coachees. This study raises some important points regarding factors that influence an individual's ability to be mindful. Conversely, mindfulness is often recommended as a strategy to cope with the stress and strain of a busy work life. However, this study suggests that workload may have a detrimental effect on the individual's ability to be mindful. I wonder whether those individuals may decide not to persist with the practice of mindfulness as they might conclude that they're simply not mindful individuals. This study suggests that actually we also need to consider environmental factors as these play a role in influencing the individual's ability to be mindful. As with many other things, this study highlights the importance of the role the organisation plays in creating the right culture and climate to encourage and facilitate mindfulness. It's simply not enough to provide mindfulness workshops or even provide coaching where coaches encourage mindfulness with coaches if the organisation is not willing to ensure that employees' workload is manageable and that employees are able to psychologically detach from work by leaving work at a reasonable time and switching off from emails and phone calls. Consequently, embracing the importance of mindfulness must filter through to all levels of the organisation and not just the training room. So that concludes today's episode of the Coaching Academic Podcast. Just to remind you, in today's episode, I was discussing how can mindfulness be promoted, workload and recovery experiences as antecedents of daily fluctuations in mindfulness, which was written by Uta R. Holzheger, Elsa Welkowiak and Marie S. Toms and was published in the Journal of Occupational and Organisational Psychology in 2018. 
As always, I'll include a link to the paper in the show notes. I'm Rebecca Jones. Thanks for listening. I'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Coaching Academic Podcast. If you're interested in reading my research, sponsoring the show, or in hiring me as a researcher, coach, or speaker, check out my website, www.rebeccajjones.co.uk. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review in iTunes and subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a question you'd like me to answer in a future show, then please get in touch via my website. Finally, you can connect with me on Twitter at coach underscore research. Thanks for listening.